Today, in Preventing Demotion, Part 3, I want to talk to you about don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. It seems like our society today is full of compromise. People will lie right to your face if it means them gaining $20. They will shake your hand and smile at you, and then once you turn around when they're behind closed doors or they're in their cave, so to speak, they cut corners just to try to get ahead. They'll sacrifice their very name if it means them moving up the ladder of promotion somehow in their own strength. Uh, I don't mean to sound like everybody's bad, but our society's full of this. Um, They compromise their integrity for $50. And there's people that you love and you want to help them and you think, man, they got a great personality. They have so much potential, so much going for them. Why are they not getting ahead? And I've learned in life there's always a reason why people are in the boat that they're in. Yes, the enemy can attack, but there are a lot of times that behind closed doors, these people that you think are so nice and kind and loving to your face behind closed doors, they're cutting corners every chance that they get. My papa, before he died, this this was actually 20 years ago when I was a teenager, he told me a story one time. He said, John Paul, when I was your age, our word was our bond. We could actually shake hands with somebody. We were going to buy something from them or do something. And when we shook their hand, that meant no matter what happened, no matter how hard it got, no matter how difficult it was, we were going to do what we said we were going to do. Nowadays, you got to sign 20 pieces of paper just to get a cell phone and say you're going to make payments to that company. Why? Because people know, and the world knows, that all around us there are people who compromise. Integrity is nothing. Their name is nothing. It says in Psalms 18.20, the Lord rewards us according to our integrity. Notice he doesn't reward us according to how many scriptures we can quote. He doesn't reward us according to how many degrees we have behind our name. He doesn't uh, reward us according to how many businesses um, we, we, we close, how many deals we close on each month. That's not where God's reward comes from. In other words, it's better to close one business deal this month and do it with integrity and honesty and transparency and have God's favor, then close a hundred business deals this month, and you had to lie a little bit, deceive somebody just a little bit. When they weren't looking, you kind of fudged something over here, and you got a whole bunch of money, but you didn't have God's reward in your life. You didn't have his favor in your life. I know people today that do this, and they have millions of dollars in the bank, and they are the most miserable people in the world. They would give all of that money away that they made the wrong way by having to cut corners. They'd give it all back if it just meant having two or three good friends like some of y'all have in this church. They'd give it all back if it meant meant them having a good relationship with their spouse. They'd give it all back if it meant them being able to sleep with peace at night, not fearful that someone's going to rip them off the way they've ripped other people off. What we do behind closed doors determines how much God's going to reward us. Anybody can have integrity out in public when everybody's looking. The difficult thing is, is when the pressure's put on and you're in a cave your man cave, what is it that you're looking at? What is it that you're doing? What's really going on behind the scenes? Uh, in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 3, what we just read, it says, On the way home, David came to the sheepfolds where there was a cave. Now, I wanted you to really get a picture of what's going on today. I really want you to understand. So Saul's got his robe on because uh, he's, of course, the king, and he's got a secret service around him, okay? So Saul's wearing his robe. I'm sure it's a l- much longer and much nicer robe than this robe is. And then so Saul's got a secret service over there, and he said, um, he told a secret service, he said, listen, I need y'all 
to, um, I need y'all to stay over here because I got to go do some important stuff, some king stuff. I'm going to the throne for a few minutes. I'm the king, so I'm going to the throne. Y'all stay. And Saul goes over here, and the Bible says in verse, in verse 3, um, when he came to the sheepfolds, he came to the cave, and Saul went inside the cave, and he went inside there to relieve himself. Now, the very cave that Saul is squatting in happens to be the very cave that David and his men are hiding in. What are the odds that would have? Some of us in here would think, well, that had to be the hand of God. If there was ever a time where God would open up a door for me to get what I want, this would be it. Now, here's the important thing about this, is that David, excuse me, David is, um, he, he's in the middle, he's in a very difficult position. He's in the middle of where he came from and where he was called to. He passed by the sheepfolds. I can only imagine what he thought when he passed by the sheepfolds to get to that cave. And he thought, I remember that day. I remember playing my harp. I remember taking care of the sheep and thinking, God, are you ever going to do it? Is it ever going to happen? And then, God, you brought me so far, and I killed Goliath, and everyone was excited about me, and I lived in the palace. But now, God, I'm here. And then he sees King Saul. And he thinks, that's where I'm called to. That's where I want to be. That's where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to have the crown on my head. God, you promised me. And we see David do something we never thought we would ever see. We see David act a certain way where we never thought he would ever act. I mean, up until this point, David's done everything right. David's done everything godly. And in verse 4, David's men said to him, David, behold. This is, they probably said, holy crap. This is the day. Because Israel, and the, okay. But this is the day which the Lord has said to you, I will hand over your enemy to you, and you shall do to him as you wish. Now, I want to um, tell you a few scriptures in the Bible, because a lot of times in life we get stuck in between where, we're, where we were at and where we were called to be, and, and we start using scriptures in the wrong way. Like we say, God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, but the problem is he won't supply your needs if you're stealing from him to get stuff that you think you need. So you can't say, God, I know you're going to supply my needs. I need drugs. No, God's not going to supply those needs or God I need money for this and you're stealing you're not tithing you're stealing from God and you want God to help you have something that you're stealing from him in order to get and we take these scriptures and we have half truths inside of us and we wonder why aren't these truths coming to light in my life let me give you one that won't offend you so much um how about God will give you the desires of your heart okay I remember um uh, 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 the first part of that scripture is this if you delight yourself in him He'll give you the desires of your heart. And you think, God, why aren't these desires coming true? Well, if you delight yourself in him, he'll actually put desires inside of you that are different from the ones you want. Maybe they're the same. Maybe they're different. I don't know until you delight yourself in him. is half truth. What about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Remember I told you in my sermon on jealousy how much I wanted to be just like Mark Kaufman. I prayed when I first met him. I prayed and said, God, I want to be like Mark. I want to be short and weird. I'm just kidding. I said, God, I want to be able to sing like Mark Kaufman. Why? And I quoted that scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that's half the scripture. If you read the two scriptures before and the scripture afterwards, you'll discover that scripture's referring to the things God's called you to do. He's called you to honor him financially. He's called you to be healthy. He's called you to uh, have peace in your life. He's called you to have good relationships. All the things God's called me to do, I can do all of those things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me ask you a question, two questions. The first question, the answer is yes. The second question, the answer is no. What's the answer to the first question? What's the answer to the second question? Did God say, David, I will hand over your enemy to you. But did God say to do to him as you wish? Here's the point. Not every door that gets me closer to my destiny is from God. 
Just because the door opens, just because it can get you where you've been wanting to go, just because it could get you where God said he wants to take you, doesn't mean that door is from God. If David had killed Saul, he'd be king. Did God say he was supposed to be king? Yes. Did God want David to be king? Yes. If David killed Saul, would that happen? Yes, he would be king. But was that God who opened up this door? How do we know? In life, how do we know? Because I'm sure there's doors that you want to open and you think, well, I, I, if I wanted to, in my personality or my giftedness or my talent or my phone calls or my people like that, I could make this happen. I could make this deal happen. So how do I know? Is this God or is this me? Here's the answer. Proverbs 11:3. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. If you're not using integrity, it's not from God. If you have to cut a corner, it's not from God. If you have to do things just a hair deceitful to make it happen, it's not from God. And we see David do something we never thought he would ever do. Now, if you, if you read this chapter before, you'll discover that David was at a city where he was very discouraged. And, and he was looking for a weapon because he didn't have a weapon. And they handed him the sword of Goliath. One of the priests said, oh, are you kidding? You're David. You're the guy that killed Goliath. We have his sword. We'll give you this to use. So imagine David's got this in his hand. And you got to think... David has this because of something that God helped him accomplish. David takes that very talent that God gave him. David takes that very, that very confidence. David takes the gift. David takes the reward. David takes the money, the promotion, the job, the thing that God gave him. God gave him this. This did not happen because of David. This was all God. And he takes the very thing God gave him and he sneaks up behind the king of Israel. And he cuts a corner of Saul's robe. The reason this is a problem is because everything David did, he did with his whole heart. He was never halfway kind of guy. Everything David ever did, he did with everything inside of him. Verse 4, David crept up unnoticed and he cut off a corner. Imagine the way he felt after everything that God's done for him. After all the blessing that God's done in his life. Now see, if, if the only thing we ever read about David was, like let's say we started the book right here, you never heard of David, and you read, this guy breaks into a bathroom in England, he reaches underneath the stall where Prince Henry or someone's there, and he pulls out a knife and he cuts a piece of his suit off. We would read, every, every newspaper in the world would have something about David and how this guy stinks. I can't believe he'd do this. What's wrong with him? He needs to go to jail. But the reason you and I are not mad at David is because we know his story. We know that he did everything right now. Someone's trying to kill him. Here's the point I want to make. We don't know what's in our heart until an opportunity arises. We can theorize all day long what's in our heart. It's, this is why it's so important. You don't judge other people. Yes, you know them by their fruit, but don't be critical and judgmental and say things like, I would never do that if I were them. I can't believe he would do something like that. Can you believe this happened if that were me? I would not, especially if God had blessed me the way God blessed David. I would never do anything like that. You don't know what's in your heart until an opportunity arises. You don't know. You can, you can theorize. You can guess. You can guesstimate. You can kind of picture. Well, if I was that, you have no idea what's inside of your heart until the opportunity arises for you to do something. You have no idea. Some of y'all, if you had been there running for your life for months, you would have stabbed him in the back. 
Some of you would have just maybe cut off a piece of his body. I mean, I mean, cut off one of his fingers or something. You, you don't know what you would do. Don't ever look at somebody else's life and say, I can't believe they would make this decision. You weren't raised like them. You don't have the mental, mental health or unhealth that they have. You don't know their emotional state of mind. You don't know the drugs they were on. You don't know the reason they got on those drugs. You don't know what took place in their life to be critical of them. It's one thing to say, I don't trust them, or I don't know them well enough to trust them, or I don't like these things that they're doing, so I can't be a part of it. That's fine. But when you're critical of somebody else, you have no idea what you would do. You don't know. You, don't, you can guess all day long what you, you don't know. And David cut a corner, and in verse 5, afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And I believe with all of my heart, David went to the back of that cave, and he cried his eyes out. I believe he, he, he didn't want to feel like a sissy in front of his men because, because they had told him this is what you need to do. And he didn't want to do the wrong thing and kill Saul, but he still did something that was ungodly. He cut a corner, and I can imagine him saying, God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did this. You brought me so far. I just passed by the sheepfold. I'm holding the sword of Goliath in my hand, God, and I know I want to be king so bad. You promised me this would happen. You told me over and over, God, I've been crying out to you for months, and nothing's changed. In fact, it's gotten worse. And then my enemy's right there in front of me and he's in the most vulnerable position any enemy could ever be in and I had my chance and God I'm so sorry that I cut a corner and I believe David looked at his men and he said I won't become something I'm not just to have something that I want I will not become a person I'm not supposed to be just to have something I've been wanting for such a long time and I believe he kept that corner with him (laughs) everywhere he went for the rest of his life this is a story about this builder who was down on his luck and, 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 and things were going bad for him. He was about to close his doors. He wasn't making any money. And he had a very rich businessman that was friends with him. And the rich businessman came to see him in his office and he told his friends, listen, I realize times have been tough. I realize the economy's down. I want to help you out. I want to give you a job. I want you to build me a home. Here's $200,000. Here's a set of plans. Build me a $200,000 home and I'll pay you very well whenever it's finished. He told the, the, the builder, he said, I trust you completely. I don't have time to worry about it. It's all you. Just call me when you're finished, and I promise to reward you very, very well. So the builder was so excited to get started working. He opened up the set of plans, and immediately he thought, you know what? If I cut a few corners along the way, I could pocket some of that $200,000 on top of what he's already going to pay me. So he ordered the concrete, and he didn't get enough intentionally. He watered it down, saved about $3,000. When he ordered the lumber, he got the bent pieces, the crooked pieces, and saved another four or $5,000 there. You couldn't tell. It was behind the wall. It was behind the drywall. He did the same thing with the electric, with the plumbing. He hired fly-by-night guys to come and help who had a lack of integrity in everything they did. This man pocketed nearly $50,000 from that $200,000 check. When it was all said and done, he called the rich businessman who he was friends with to come and look at his new home. They did a walkthrough on the outside where everybody could see it looked beautiful. On the outside where the public saw everything was fine. You couldn't tell there was anything wrong with it at all. All the problems were behind the walls or underneath the foundation. Everything looked great. They did the walkthrough. Everything was fine. The builder was anticipating the payment that his friend was going to give him. And it was all said and done. The businessman looked at him and he said, you know what? You did a great job. The house is beautiful, but I already have a home. I didn't need a new home. I was just doing this to help you out. He threw him the keys and he said, congratulations. You just built yourself 
a brand new home. Man, that builder thought, uh, if I'd known I was building my own home, I would have never cut corners. It says in Proverbs 19.1, it's better to be poor and walk in integrity than a rich man no one can trust. Listen, it's not about how much money you have. It's about how did you make the money. If your destiny involves you being a millionaire, that's great. The question is, though, how did you get the million dollars? What did you do to earn it? Did you have to deceive? Did you have to trick? Did you have to do things behind the scenes that weren't right? In three months' time, this guy's house, the foundations were all cracking. Six months later, he had problems with the electric. Nine months later, the plumbing was all messed up. It cost him more than the $50,000 he saved to fix all the problems that he had to deal with. And here's what we learned from that. We each have to live in our own home. I don't live in your house. You don't live in my house, spiritually speaking. Your spouse doesn't live in your house. Your kids don't live in your house. We all are building our own home. And cutting corners in life is like building a house with messed up foundation, messed up walls, plumbing, electric that's not working properly. Do you know that every one of us, with every decision we make daily, are building our own homes? In the, in, the, in the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew originally. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek language is very, very unique, very unusual. Uh, for the most case, there's a lot of different words for some words that we just have one of. But when it comes to integrity, the word integrity in the Greek is the exact same word for the word prosperity. It's like if you were saying, God, I really want my business to prosper. Here's what they're really saying in Greek. God, I want my business to have more integrity. God, I want you to prosper me in my marriage. God, I want you to help me have more integrity in my marriage. God, I want my ministry to prosper. God, I want my ministry to have more integrity. God, I really want some prosperity in life. God, I really want more integrity in my life. Do you know the words are the exact same words? And every one of us in this room want prosperity, but it'll never happen until we first learn how to have integrity. I hear people tell me all the time over the years, oh, they want to be in ministry full-time. You have no idea. I probably heard it over 100 times. People want to be in ministry full-time, ministry full-time, ministry full-time. Do you know biblically in the Bible there is no difference between a ministry job and a secular job? It's the exact same thing in the Bible. In Colossians 3.23, it says, whatever you do. That means if you're working for a Fortune 500 company making $100 an hour, if you're working for Wendy's making $8 an hour, or if you're volunteering at church, whatever you do is the same thing to God. You do it with all of your heart as for the Lord and not for men. Remember, the Lord is the one who promotes. Same thing. So if you can't have integrity, if you can't get promoted in a secular job, how do you think that God's going to be able to reward you in a ministry job? It's all the same thing. If you have a job today, you're actually in full-time ministry. Do you know that your job that you have right now, you're actually in ministry, and God is watching to see how you treat people? Because just as the way you got to treat people if you're working for a church is the same way you need to treat people if you're working for McDonald's. Same way you, 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 act, uh, you, you, you deal with finances in the church, same way you deal with finances at the job you work now with integrity. Same way you, 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 you help people or you, you encourage people or the time that you show up for work. If you can't show up for work at your secular job, you're not going to be able to show up for work at your ministry job. People with integrity don't go to work and play on their phone the whole time, take seven or eight smoke breaks, expect to get paid for all of that time they didn't work, and then they go to the boss and say, how come you never promote me? How come you never give me a reward in life? Man, people with integrity don't, people with integrity don't eat half the bag of grapes at Walmart and then only pay for the half that's left by the time they get to the cash register. 
People with integrity don't take the shopping cart and just push it, hoping that it somehow reaches where it's supposed to reach, knowing that by the time they drive off, it's probably going to roll back down and hit somebody else's car. People with integrity, man, you know, like, I hate this sermon. I can't believe he preached this today. I knew I should have not come to church today. <laughs> okay. Our character must sustain a foundation strong enough for our destiny. Our character, let me, let me say it like this. God has some big plans for y'all, okay? Let's say he call, he's called your destiny to be somewhere up here. If your foundation doesn't have the character that it needs to sustain this, even if God brought it into your life, you would lose it by your lack of integrity. Let me give you some examples. You're praying for that perfect person to come into your life. You want that person in your life. If God brought you that person today because of your level of, of cleanliness or the things you look at on the Internet or the way you spend your money, this person that God wants to bring into your life would leave you because your lack of integrity can't keep that person. That, 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 that position that you want at work or in ministry or, or whatever it is that you want God to bring into your life, if God brought it into your life, if God made you king of Israel, whoa, you didn't know what was in your heart, did you? Man, now the opportunity arises. Now you discover what's really going on in your heart. The fact you would do that to an anointed person who God Almighty put in that position. If you study the scriptures, David even says, and we'll talk about it next week, he says, I can't believe I did this to God's anointed well, he was treating somebody bad. Yeah, we all got problems. Every one of us have a problem. Not one's better than the other. We all got problems. That was God's anointed. And David didn't know what was in his heart until he did it. And so you say, God, my heart's ready. My heart's ready. Yeah, God knows what's best for you. If your heart was ready, he'd bring it. If you want him to bring it now and your heart's not ready, you're going to lose the very thing that you've been praying for. And you think it's God's fault? God, why aren't you doing this? Let me tell you one more story, and I'll, I'll let you go. In the um, Old Testament, remember two weeks ago we, when we talked about loyalty, I talked to you about Elijah and Elisha. Y'all remember that? Elijah was a great prophet, and Elisha was loyal, and he had excellence, and he served faithfully. So God gave Elisha a double anointing as Elijah. Remember that? Okay, Elijah's dead. Now Elisha's the man, and Elisha now has a servant named Gehazi. And this rich man named Naaman went to Elisha and said, I need healing. I got leprosy. I'm dying. And so God used Elisha. Naaman was healed. And so Naaman wanted to give him a gift. He wanted to give him some money and things like that. 2 Kings 5, 16. He insisted Elisha take this gift, and Elisha wouldn't do it. But Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And in verse 20, Elisha's servant Gehazi said to himself, My master should have taken Naaman's gift. Now I'm going to run after him and take something from him. Gehazi thought, you know what, what's the big deal? He was going to give it anyway. It's not that big deal. It's not really a, a, a big lie. It's a white lie, you know, because sin's color-coded. And the white ones aren't really that bad, so it's okay if I do this. And so he ran up to him, and in verse 22, um, Gehazi said, hey, Naaman, my master changed his mind. He sent me to ask you for 3,000 pieces of silver and some fine clothes. And Naaman thought, okay, no big deal. So he gave him all of these things, and Gehazi hit the jackpot. It was just a little piece of the robe, not that big of a piece, just a small corner that he cut. And so he goes back home, and he hides the money, and he shows up for dinner. And in verse 25, Elisha says, where have you been? Gehazi said, your servant's been nowhere. I haven't been doing nothing. I took out the garbage. I watched Law and Order. Like, everything's fine. I haven't been doing nothing. Have you ever noticed that when you cut one corner, you end up having to cut another one? And you end up having to cut another one? And you end up having to cut another one until you realize the entire robe's been taken. The entire thing's gone. You don't, one lie turns into another, turns into another, turns into another. In verse 26, Elisha said, Was not my spirit with you when you met Naaman? And just as Elisha's spirit was with Gehazi, 
God's Spirit is with us everywhere we go. Everywhere, behind closed doors, in the cave, when no one's looking. And you wonder, man, I love this person and I want to help them and I want to bless them. And it seems like they just can't get ahead. Why is it? It's because there's something behind the scenes where they're cutting corners. And if they would just get their character in line, if they would just grow in integrity, then God could do things that you could never do for that person. In verse 27, because of what you've done, Naaman's leprosy will now be on you. Here's what I want you to see. Um, Gehazi's career was ruined because he cut one little corner. Now, what's very interesting about this story is this. Very rare in the Bible do we actually see what God wanted to do in someone's life, but it didn't get done. Very rare do we see that. This is a very special case. Remember I told you how because Elisha was faithful and he had excellence that he got a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Remember that? Here's what God wanted to do for Gehazi. He wanted to give Gehazi a double portion of Elisha's spirit, which was four times the anointing as Elijah. But Gehazi, after this incident, we never read about him ever again in the Bible. It's because God will not take us where our character will not keep us. God cannot take you where your character cannot keep you. Now, I have 30 seconds left. In this last 30 seconds, I didn't want you to leave here condemned or guilty or anything like that. Here's why. Every one of us, every single one of us have cut a corner at some point. Every one of us have. In finances, in relationship, at work, in some way we've all cut a corner behind closed doors. Every one of us. So I wanted you to learn something about your character that's very, very important. Because when you think about David, and we talk about this great man of integrity and character, David committed adultery and murder. He murdered the man whose wife he impregnated. Okay, You would think, that's a pretty big corner. That's like a, that's a, pretty, that's like a whole bedroom set at Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, that's, that's a lot. Okay? But it says in Psalm 78, 72, David was a good shepherd who took care of his people. He guided them with integrity and an upright heart. Interesting. In fact, if you think about it, God removed Saul from the throne and said, I'm going to put somebody there that's way better than you. He's an adulterer and a murderer, and he's way better than you are because you hadn't done right. Why would God remove Saul and put a man who was a murderer and adulterer? Why would he do that, thinking that was the best thing to do? Here's why. Character is gauged by our habitual lifestyle, not on the basis of a few isolated actions. I wanted to leave you with that. I wanted you to know that every one of us can come up higher today. Every one of us can easily, just like that, get our character in line. Every one of us, for some of y'all, it'd be just take a week and your foundation would get more thicker and fuller and your walls would get unwarped and, and your electric would start working again. It's not that, I'm not, what I'm saying today isn't, isn't these three or four things you did in your lifetime. It's an everyday thing. And the way you grow in integrity is, is by going the extra mile on a daily basis. The way you grow in character is by going the extra mile. If you're asked to do this much, you do this much. If you're asked to do this much, you do this much. 
a, a friend of mine passed away, a guy I knew in high school passed away a few weeks ago, and he was a, he, he was a tree cutter, landscape, he did a bunch of things around town, and somebody said that he always had the mentality of whenever he gives a bid or an estimate, he always knows in his mind, I'm going to do a lot more than what they think I'm going to do. If they hire me for this, I'm actually going to do this much. If they hire me for this, I'm actually going to do this much. Because it is integrity, it is character. Proverbs 2, 7, last scripture, God provides help and protection for those who walk in integrity. Okay, listen, if you want God to protect you from unemployment, if you want God to protect you from demotion, if you want God to protect you from ruined relationships, we have to do our part and stop cutting corners. Amen.